Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Late Night Linux Extra. I'm Joe. And this time we've got something a little bit different for you. Later on, we've got a question from a listener that Phelim, Graham, Will and I answered. So stay tuned for that. But first is a chat with Sean Davis. Now over at his website, bluesaber.org, which I'll put a link to in the show notes, the subtitle of that site is FOSS Linux and Everything XFCE. He is pretty much the main Zubuntu dev, and Zubuntu is my distro of choice. So when he recently put up a blog post saying, and now for something completely different, and how he switched to elementary OS as his daily driver, and how he was going to start helping out with development over there, I got a bit worried, and I talked about it on the main show. And then we had a bit of a back and forth with feedback from people, and then Sean wrote to us, and so I asked him if he'd like to have a chat. So that's what we're going to hear in a second. But before that, quickly, just to say thank you to everyone who's supporting us on PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate it. And remember, for $5 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed. Go to latenightlinux.com slash support for details on that. And if you want to get in contact, latenightlinux.com slash contact. So let's hear that chat with Sean now. Thanks for joining me, Sean. Thanks for having me, Joe. So I wanted to talk to you about an email that you sent to us. We'd talked about you on the show and how you've moved over to elementary as a daily driver and are going to be contributing to elementary development and my fear that you may abandon my beloved Ubuntu. But then you wrote into us and told us, well, put us straight, basically, about the stuff that I'd been saying. So let's start with your transition to Pantheon and elementary. And how I'd said that seems an odd choice for a Zubuntu and XFCE user. But it turns out I was totally wrong about that. Yeah, so Pantheon and XFCE are really not so different in a lot of ways. Um, whereas in a lot of ways, also they are, obviously. Um, so where XFCE kind of targets being customizable and fast and you know sometimes minimalistic, you know, obviously elementary doesn't have as much uh, customization options, but it is also lightweight. And at least for me, and I know for others, you know, we will, you know, make our XFCE more of a minimal-like environment. And it just so happens that my minimal-like environment is also extremely similar to the default Pantheon desktop. Yeah, because I had incorrectly assumed that everyone who uses XFCE has it set up like Windows 7, like I do. But Part of what's great about XFCE is that you can make it whatever you want, and you have made it more like macOS. That's right. In my normal XFCE layout, you know, I've just got a top panel with no window list. I've got indicators. Um, I've got an app menu, you know, up there if it's an option. And then I've just got Plank or something else running as a dock at the bottom. So it, it looks very similar to a, to a Mac layout. And so the transition to elementary in Pantheon is very smooth for you. Right, yeah. It's, it's very similar. I mean, the, the workflows and everything are, are effectively the same for me. Okay, so that explains that. Frustrations with the community and me suggesting that you might be bored with XFCE. I had said that there are toxic people in all communities and you saying that you'd had enough of some of the experiences you'd had been having in the XFCE community and you'd found elementary to be a much nicer community. I, I wasn't convinced about that, <laughs> but there are clear differences between those two communities. I, I think a, a distinguishing feature or maybe factor of XFCE is that it is it does kind of follow this 
classic Windows-like aesthetic layout, you know, and a lot of distros will ship with, you know, kind of a default Windows-like layout. And that kind of speaks to the fact that XFCE, in a way, kind of targets a, a more classic desktop paradigm. But, you know, people that may prefer a classic desktop paradigm are, are generally those that have been using it for all their lives. You know, a, a lot of us have been using computers since, you know, Windows 95, Windows 3, you know, obviously we didn't have, you know, the, the default layout there, but, you know, we it's a layout that's kind of stuck for, you know, 20 years. Yeah, and so you have inherently conservative with a small C people using XFCE, and because they're conservative about that, they tend to be conservative about other stuff like perhaps system D, Snap, Flatpak, Wayland, client side decorations. Yeah, yeah, all those words that make people upset when you mention <laughs> them around XFCE. And that's kind of been a, a pain point for me with XFCE, both with the community and you know some of the developers for a long time, is that developing for that XFCE experience, you know, there, there's very much an anti GNOME attitude where it, you know if GNOME is doing something, if they're changing a design to do something, if they're focused on Wayland, if they're bringing in client-side decorations, you know, if, if GNOME's doing it, it's a bad thing. And especially with XFCE 4.16, when we started doing client uh, the client-side decorations, you know, on various blog posts and, you know, various comments and everywhere, you know, the comments usually match, you know, why are you guys building GNOME? <laughs> you know, why are you, why are you doing this again? Yeah, we are pretty resistant to change. XFCE users. Although I have no problem with System D, I have no problem with snaps, and flat packs have never worked very well for me, but uh, I have no inherent problem with them. Mm -hmm. But I guess you do get a lot of pushback for making any significant changes. Yeah, and, and that's kind of been a problem where, you know, anytime we want to make a significant change, you kind of have to tiptoe tip around it. If you do change the layout, if you change the feature set, you know, there's always going, there's, there's immediate demand to, you know, bring it back, you know, make it how it was before. And oftentimes, you know, that's kind of the way that XF, XFCE will go about doing it. You know, if something's changed, there's always a, a, a new flag, a new feature, maybe a settings panel to put it back to the way it was. Yeah, very much like the Plasma desktop. Mm -hmm. But you talked about in this email that that just leads to code that people don't really want to maintain. Right. I mean, you know, it, a common thing with XFCE is that each of the components that make it up will often have only a single, maybe two maintainers, right? So if you imagine that that maintainer, that developer is building these new features that they want in it, and they're making them the default, you can guarantee that they're no longer using that old feature that somebody else has demanded that's been put back, but now that has to be supported as well. So... As the code grows, as the feature set grows, you've got more and more combinations of things that can go wrong and ultimately oftentimes do go wrong. And overall, just the, the workload that kind of comes from that, from supporting so many different variations and, you know, perhaps, you know, supporting different variations across different distros, you know, it becomes a huge pain, a huge bottleneck. You know, you know, there might be a bug that's reported only on OpenSUSE. So. Fire up a new VM, get that installed, check it out. Takes a lot of work to even you know verify some issues and fixes. And it's a motivation problem as well, right? You don't want to be working on that old code. You want to be working on the new stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, every second you're working on you know old fixes or you're you know answering bug reports or things for features that you're not using or that you're not developing on. That's time that could be spent otherwise improving and innovating and growing the desktop. Yeah, which is something you want to do. And because you've had pushback with XFCE, 
that's driven you to elementary where they are keen you know the developers there the team dan and Cassidy and everyone else they are very keen to push things forward right or at, at the very least you know it's the goal isn't to maintain all functionality you know it's it's a very opinionated desktop you know they they have a design they have a feature set and that is what they are promoting and pushing forward Okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com slash late night Linux to get started with $100 free credit and 60 days to use it. Linode offers cloud computing solutions in data centers all over the world. Whether it's scalable VMs with a choice of major distros or one-click apps and stacks, dedicated CPU and high RAM instances, block and object storage, or cloud firewalls and DDoS protection, Linode has everything you need for your personal projects right up to managed enterprise infrastructure. I recently moved our website over to Linode and it was really straightforward. And when I needed a mumble server for our community meetups, spinning up a new VM for that was an absolute breeze. Everything's been running flawlessly since I set it up and I love the peace of mind I get from the automatic backups. So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, get your $100 credit and check out Linode's great cloud hosting services and first class always available support. That's linode.com slash late night Linux. So what about still developing XFCE and Zubuntu? Because you're not using that anymore as a daily driver. So that must be very hard to motivate yourself to still stay involved there. I think my answer for both of those is slightly different. Um, so I think I'll start with XFCE, which, you know, in, in the last you know year or so, it has really kind of seen an explosive growth in, in, in popularity and developer interest. So with XFCE 4.16, you know, we started having more rapid development cycles. We moved to GitLab, which made it a lot easier for new people to, you know, join in, report bugs, commit, you know, uh, uh, provide changes and patches and stuff. It also gave us continuous integration options. So now, you know, every commit, you know, is being tested and, you know, there's a, very, there's a series of tests that are going. Uh, there's developer documentation now at developer.xfce.org. I think XFCE is now in a place where you know, when I, when I first started contributing to it, it wasn't as popular. It wasn't as supportive. There wasn't a whole lot of interest. And I think now it's in a place to where I don't feel bad to step away because I think it's in good hands. Well, because it seemed like it was dormant for a very long time, which I didn't really mind about because nothing changed and I'm conservative with a small C. So that was all good for me. But then GTK3 came along and it started to lag behind that. And it seemed like uh, maybe it's just because you were blogging about it and being quite public and almost the public face of it, but it seemed like when you came along, you lit a fire under it and and made these developments happen. I mean, I'd, I presume you wouldn't want to take full credit for that, but I just worry that if you totally step away, is there enough of a community left there to keep it going? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I did contribute to that, at least kind of pushing for the fact, like, whenever I first started contributing, it was, one of the things I did was I was just reporting tons of bugs, and that's what kind of got me pulled into the project to begin with, because I was reporting more bugs than people were ready to fix. Mm. You know, I I think I've pushed some of that, but I think a a larger push, and still a prominent push, is kind of coming from Simon Steinbase, who's kind of, you know, effectively leading the project at this point, and, you know, pulling it forward, and I think everybody's, you know, following him, and I think that's why it's in good shape right now. Yeah, I saw a recent blog post by him saying that he's got post 4.16 fatigue and he was just kind of taking a break after that. But um, the 4.18 uh, release is, you know, ramping up that whole uh, cycle. So it, it does seem like he is motivated to keep doing it. But it sounds like with Zubuntu then, you're not as confident that that 
is has got maintainers and you may have to stay a bit more involved there. Yeah, so and and I think it's a problem caused by where we are at this point. So I, I think with Ubuntu we've we've found a sweet spot. You know, we, the the system works well, the applications you know work well together, everything looks right, and there's not really a whole lot of tweaks that can be made to improve. And bringing in new features and new apps at this point kind of feels you know more like bloat than it does you know making it more effective. So the problem we have is you know how how can we innovate or you know do we even need to at this point? Which since we've kind of found ourselves asking that question, there's not a whole lot of interest in developing Ubuntu, at least as far as I can see. You know, there, there's, we haven't had really any new developers in a long time. Um, much of our core team's still around, but far less than before. You know, life gets busy. You know, everybody's having kids. You know, they've got their jobs. It's a realistic problem. But when we're not bringing in, you know, fresh people, new blood, you know, that's when the project kind of goes stale and there's not a whole lot of activity. So growing that team is really difficult. You know, we've had a spike in interest recently. I think Yusuf is to thank for a lot of that. He's been really public um, on Twitter and, you know, pulling people in and getting them involved. And I think that's been a huge help. But as for the development side of things, you know, I still find myself doing a lot of the work, even as I'm starting to back away. And I saw you know, somebody on Twitter mentioned the same, you know, I have a lot of the commits, the pull requests, I'm still very much active in the project and am largely leading the releases and, you know, keeping the code in a fresh place. Yeah. And the thing with Subuntu is you are forced basically to do a release every six months and an LTS every two years, something that isn't the case with elementary. And I wanted to ask you about that. Like, is that part of the attraction of moving over there as well that it's like it's ready when it's ready not we've got to hit these six month deadlines and we don't want to hold up all the other flavors and everything so we just have to get it done and that means not necessarily introducing anything new just making it just sort of tick over you know to be honest i hadn't thought about that but that is a really nice benefit of it uh, and it's something that i've kind of been jealous of you know with, with ubuntu like you said we're, we're kind of Targeting that six month cycle and inside those six months, we, we have these, you know, the milestones as well. So it is very aggressive and very time consuming and just the, the release process in general, even with the previous release where we didn't change hardly anything. We, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of work going into Ubuntu. There was still a significant amount of effort, you know, with just getting the releases out. Whereas I suppose contributing to elementary, you're not going to be as senior right you can just help out here and there in your spare time and not have that responsibility right and that's kind of where i've been for a while you know i've not had as much time to contribute to the projects so i you know that's i guess that's probably part of it too you know i i feel like i'm not contributing as much as i used to particularly earlier you know i guess mid last year i i kind of got burnt out of everything so i didn't really do a whole lot of work you know between you know july and october and then after that, I came back and even then I just was kind of unsatisfied and everything was frustrating and a lot of work. So I don't know. I, I think it's because of where I'm at in my roles in Zubuntu, you know, I, I've got a lot on me and it's exhausting to kind of support all that. So, yeah, I do like the idea with elementary, you know, I can be just a contributor instead of an owner. But then isn't there a kind of satisfaction to having that ownership? Absolutely. You know, Zubuntu means a whole lot to me. You know, I've kind of, you know, built a lot around that. I think I, I've made Zubuntu a, a huge part of my identity. 
but I'm just not as satisfied with it as I used to be. And I guess it's important to say that, you know, for now, I'm not going anywhere because there's not very many developers or active contributors. And I really want to make sure it has a path forward. And I think if I were to fully step away from the project, I can't guarantee that it would at this time. It breaks my heart to hear that, man, because Zubuntu is my beloved. Like, I've tried every distro under the sun and come to the conclusion that for me, and you know, this is just for me, an Ubuntu base is the best, and XFCE is the best desktop, and the best combination of those two is clearly Zubuntu. And so I don't want to move away from it. I mean, what, you know, say you just didn't have time, say you had a life, you know, change of circumstances, and you had to walk away. Like, what does that look like? Does that look like normal releases or does it just look like normal progress and just total stagnation? I'm really not sure. You know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, even when I kind of started with Ubuntu way back when, it was not as busy. You know, the, the main developers were either not available or rarely available. But, you know, I was kind of able to join into the project and, you know, start pulling it in a direction. And I think I was able to help breathe life into it then. So I'm not really sure what it would look like if I were to leave entirely, but I can imagine it might be something the same, you know, if I'm not there filling that role, you know, somebody else, it's entirely possible they could step into that role, pick it up and move it forward again. And is it just a case of just changing the base and making sure XFC works on top of it? I mean, how much work that must get harder and harder as you go forward, like as more stuff changes in the underlying distro that must get harder to just slap XFC on top of it. Right, yeah. There, 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 so there's a whole lot of work to even support a single release. So say, you know, say we have like, you know, last cycle where we changed extremely little. By the time that the, the release candidate and stuff and everything was rolling around, there were new significant bugs as part of, you know, some of the XFC packages having new bugs. But, you know, part of it being you kind of, you have to adapt for the, the newer Ubuntu base, the newer GTK and newer libraries. So it is a it is a constant workload to even maintain it. What's a positive way to end this then? Like, how can people help? What do you need? Like, you need another one of you, like only someone who's a bit less jaded, maybe, to come in and <laughs> do what you did. Yeah, I, I think really what it needs is that kind of developer interest, the the motivation and the effort to come in and be interested to look at the bugs, report bugs, you know, try to dig in and find solutions, potentially, you know, innovate, you know, maybe Ubuntu would be more popular if we were, you know, targeting a broader crowd or if we had more features that I've seen a lot of people talk about, you know, how OpenSUSE or Manjaro have the best XFCE experience, you know, maybe, maybe the way that we grow is we, you know, we, we borrow from them somehow. Maybe a visual refresh might help because it's, you know, it's a pretty dated look. I don't care about visuals, but a lot of people say that, you know, it's it's not the prettiest, whereas you try Manjaro and that looks great. Yeah, and that might be it. I know it, it's funny because like every time I talk to people about it, you know, it's kind of split down the middle. You know, some people really like, you know, the great bird and the elementary XFC things and some people, you know, despise it. And that's the first thing they change and replace. I find that very interesting, just the fact that there's really kind of no alignment on on that. Well, thanks a lot for joining me, man, and uh, setting some of this straight. And uh, I really do wish you well, because, you know, I'm obviously friends with Dan and everything. And, uh, you know, I want that project to succeed. So it's it's kind of good in a way that you're helping that out. And, uh, you know, the more devs on that, the better. 
But um, I do hope you stick around to Ubuntu long enough for it to continue just for purely selfish reasons. Right, yeah. Like, like I said before, I, I have no intention of leaving, at least for now. So I'll be around and supporting where I can. Yeah. All right, man. Well, yeah, speak to you again soon. All right. Thanks for having me, Joe. Okay. This episode is sponsored by CBT Nuggets, training for IT professionals or anyone looking to build IT skills. Go to cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux and sign up for a seven-day free trial. I've just started my learning journey with CBT Nuggets, but I've already picked up tons of knowledge from the short and manageable videos in the Docker and Network Fundamentals courses. Their in-house trainers are active and certified IT professionals who add around 40 hours of new training to the course catalogue each week, so you can always stay current and up-to-date. So start your free seven-day trial today at cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux it includes unlimited access to all course materials, including virtual labs. That's cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux. So the question that I talked about then. Steve wrote to us, do you have any tech superstitions? For example, back when I used to burn DVDs, I would always let the whole thing finish without doing anything else on the computer for fear it would fail. I used to do that. <laughs> yeah, I used to do that as well. This is so spot on. But yeah, are there any modern tech superstitions that you have? I only ping an odd number of packets. <laughs> Why? Because I'm always worried that I'll end up with 50% drop rate and then not know whether it's a really good condition or a bad condition. Uh, that's quite a good one. Other than the sort of mantra of don't deploy on a Friday, I don't seem to have any anymore. I remember when I was compiling kernels or trying to install software, I used to draw the mouse around the box that was on the screen, just go around and around and around. And if I kept it within the box, then it would work. And if I went outside the box, it would fail. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it worked. Don't knock it. That reminds me of progress bars. And when you're not sure if it's going to continue, you, you carefully put the mouse exactly where it is. And then you hmm. can know whether it's progressed just a tiny amount or whatever. <laughs> but that, that's been a while since I've had to do that. I kind of have the opposite of uh, superstitions. Like I do things that I know are stupid, like I still use the shutdown command or even sysctrl control halt. Um, I've even turned the power off just because I can't be bothered to wait for whatever it is to update. To update. <laughs> I always do sudo power off. What? Yeah. No, no, no. Only the shutdown command is the only one allowed. Well, I bet you even do shutdown dash R, don't you? Aye. Shutdown dash R, shutdown dash H, and then either now or the time mm. when I wanted to do it. No, sudo reboot. No, sudo reboot. No, that's just wrong. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be on a distro that doesn't have that. I'll be like, what? Oh, yeah, I have to shut down dash R. No, no, it has to be shut down. Yeah, okay. So apparently I've got more than I thought I did. <laughs> yeah, okay. And also I unplug, if something's crashing, I'll, I will unplug it and then leave it unplugged for like a minute, which is there's no uh, reason yeah, for Yeah, yeah. The, well, the capacitors, you have to wait yeah. for them to discharge. I <laughs> <laughs> see if I can see in the case where all the LEDs are off. Shit, there's a whole lot of stuff apparently I do. Oh, this is really disturbing. I do have a lot of confectionery-based ones that you two fucking bastards keep fucking trying to break. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Easter eggs in fucking June and hot cross buns in March. I mean, fuck off. It's funny that my one, the, the kind of only one I could think of is, is somewhat related to Steve's one there. And that is when I'm copying stuff to my NAS, I will only ever do that one at a time. Like I won't, like if I say I start copying 
the uh, well, like the backup that I do for this show, for example, I back up the video that goes to YouTube. I put that first, wait for that to completely copy over, and then drag the project folder with all the audio and everything. But I will never do them at the same time. I'll always wait for one to finish. And I don't know, should you do that? Oh Christ! It, I feel like you're watching over my shoulder. I do that to my TV pie. Because I've always been worried that putting too much stuff down, it, it makes no sense. But I've had some copies die if I did like more than, I think it was three or four. So I, I've often wa- wondered if they could make a KD plugin where if, if you can set the amount in a consecutive copy that could go to a host, it'd be a great feature to have where you could go, yeah, if I dump five things toward this host, just do one at a time, slowly. Well, I guess it's also related to doing things, input-output stuff like recording audio. Like, if I'm recording audio like this podcast, I dare not zoom out in Audacity in case it messes up the recording somehow or the machine hangs. (laughs) I used to be like that, but then I just got over it because it's just, you need to do it sometimes just to check and see how long you've been going or whatever. Uh, But yeah, I do sympathize with that. I'd be very worried. Like, if I didn't have the mumble backup going and my other... SD card recorder then I'd probably be a little bit reluctant and uh, yeah if if there was a me to shout at me in so if I was in your position then yeah I wouldn't be zooming in and out either backups don't work if you don't tell the log file while you're looking at them copying <laughs> <laughs>